Welcome to Talk and Shift, the Venture Actual podcast where we talk about issues and topics in entrepreneurship. If you're looking for a sister podcast, Ship Talkers, you're in the wrong place. That's our podcast about schooners, yachts, and sailboats. Wrong ship. We're here to talk about entrepreneurship. And who are we? We are the Venture Asheville team. Venture Asheville is the high growth entrepreneurship initiative of the Economic Development Coalition for Asheville, Buncombe County. We build entrepreneurs and get startups funded. I'm Jeffrey Kaplan, this ship's captain, director of Venture Asheville, and lover of, ready for this, Jay Walker? A new coffee shop in downtown Asheville. I just went to Farewell Coffee. Have you been there? I have. Farewell is awesome. I actually have a t-shirt from there. Totally blew me away. So if you haven't been there, don't know where it is. It's it's pretty new. Open during the pandemic. Right across yeah. from Green Man, next to the South Slope Cheese Shop. And from the layout, design, the open air, the coffee was great. The service was awesome. Prices were good. I, uh, I am super impressed. Also, it has parking on site, which you rarely find. And uh, everything about it, maybe it was a beautiful fall day. It was just awesome. I'm so excited and glad to discover it. Not that we have a shortage of great coffee shops, but that's what I'm loving today. Jay Walker, Juliana Walker, you are the wonderful, smart, talented, considerate, and creative master of interactive media here at the EDC Chamber of Venture Asheville World. What's good with yeah. you? Yeah, I'm uh, working from home today, enjoying this beautiful fall day, except for right now when I'm inside recording this podcast. So I guess I could have done it outside in the beautiful weather, but there are plenty of dogs in the neighborhood mm. that I'm going to avoid their barking. So uh, we'll we'll keep it indoors today, I guess. All right. For, yeah, this is yeah. your first time um, that you and I have Zoomed from you at home. I know. And if you're not watching this on YouTube, there is a skeleton behind Juliana. Yes. There it is. So watch, Fred. if you're listening, uh, check us out on YouTube where you can watch me sit with a virtual background in my office and Juliana with a real background, including, is that Fred? Yeah, Fred. Fred yeah. the skeleton. Here for the Halloween holiday, but maybe we'll keep him around. I don't is, know. He's kind of cute. I thought that was a year round thing. It's just for I Halloween. Th- I think it could be a year round thing. I don't you know. my Halloween. You a big pumpkin so. carver? Oh gosh, no. No, 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 no. No, it's not your I, thing. I I enjoy the idea and I enjoy the final product. It's the process of it. It's always way harder and way messier than mm. I anticipate it being. So, you know, yeah. unlike other podcasts, when the hosts banter, the guests are not on the call. And for me, it's so much fun because I'm looking at our guest who's with us today, <laughs> Dr. Paul Gratton, who's just like, where is this going? Why are they talking like this? Why do they call me in here so early? Uh, so let's jump to Paul. Uh, uh, we have a great topic today with, with a fun partner and friend and colleague in the area. Uh, we're joined today by Dr. Paul Gratton, the Associate Dean and Chair of, of Business, Adult and Graduate Studies at Montreat College in beautiful scenic Montreat, North Carolina, which borders Black Mountain. For people who don't know where it is, it's all 15, 20 minutes from downtown Asheville. Uh, Paul and I met, gosh, four or five years ago now. And uh, we've been partnering on a new website called the e13.com. And we're going to talk about that and how you can use it as an entrepreneur or a resource provider or mentor or an investor. Lots of really cool stuff. Dr. Paul, thank you so much. Can I call you? Can I call you Dr. Paul? You you can call me Dr. Paul, uh, sir, whatever you'd like. (laughs) (laughs) Well, sir, thank you for joining us today. Uh, Can you share with our our audience uh, what your background is? 
and how you and I came to meet one day serendipitously. Yeah, well, like a lot of folks, uh, you know, all who wander are not lost. And I've, I've really wandered through a lot of different things. I started out as a software engineer for John Deere working on, on uh, vehicle guidance systems, which was really interesting. And it was kind of an entrepreneurial group, which was exciting to me uh, to be able to be part of a larger organization doing that. Um, but then I got interested in, uh, in people issues as much as the technical. So I was doing the technical there and I thought, I really feel like I'm heading in the management uh, leadership track. My dad was an entrepreneur. He, he, uh, he had some sub shops in the Midwest when I was growing up. So I grew up cleaning the floors, scooping ice cream, things like that. Started out selling, uh, selling worms. That was actually probably my first entrepreneurial venture was selling That's worms. That's your first job, selling worms. To, to, uh, good, not I, I live near a lake. That's yeah. Good. Exactly. We had this dangerous probe that we'd, we'd water the lawn, stick the probe in the ground, and we called it the worm tickler, which it was really this like. Is a, this is, okay, I've seen something like this where it looks like a steak. You put it in yeah. the ground and you rub, oh, yeah. you rub something against it. A grunt, it grunts. Essentially, it makes some kind of grunting Ours noise. didn't grunt. Ours was probably really dangerous and that you just plugged like this metal stick uh, that had a, a wooden handle. In, wood. Okay. Or it, was, it was a wooden handle, metal uh-huh. stick, plug it in, just jam it in the ground. The worms start start shooting up. So ideally, <laughs> this is bizarre and so much fun to talk about. It would put a charge in the ground. <laughs> That's right. somehow force worms to the surface. Well, they don't like that. So if uh, growing up as a kid, I remember this. If you touch the ground, you get a shock. Right? So mm-hmm. I don't know why my dad <laughs> let us do this. Uh, so give it to your kids. <laughs> exactly. That's right. Do and you would then scoop the worms up, put them in containers and sell them? That's like right, bait? because we live yeah. in your lake. Yeah. Put out signs, all that. So that was really my my big break, my big beginning, uh, other than working as a software engineer. But as I mentioned, <laughs> moving on, got interested in, 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 in management and entrepreneurship. And so I worked for a number of nonprofits, helped start uh-huh. some nonprofits, uh, did my master's in public administration at, at Drake, uh, had a software startup with some buddies, uh, didn't go big. It actually ended up going going bust, but it didn't. It didn't quell my interest for starting new things. And as we've discussed, Jeff, I, I love the idea that entrepreneurship interrogates reality, mm. right? Like we're, we're asking interesting questions as we're creating value and seeing, is this real? Is this, gonna, is this going to exist in the future? Or is this just a, uh, a false hypothesis? So did that for a while, went out to the West Coast, did my doctorate in business administration, Mm-hmm. And then came back, uh, came this way. I, I grew up in the Midwest, came down North Carolina way to be closer to family and ended up uh, seeing Montreal College, which was in turnaround phase. And mm-hmm. again, I'm just a sucker for turnarounds and startups. So that's what, that's what brought me this direction to hopefully uh, light that fire under my students and other people in the community and, and also have my fire lit by folks like, like you, Jeff. And that's, uh, that's kind of what led to us doing some work together. Yeah. And so you met, we met each other, um, randomly, I would say randomly, it, it, it appears random, but we'll explain how our relationship begun. Um, but Joe Kirkland, the, I know he's got some advice. Is, is he t- current? He's had a, a million roles at Montreal college, but I think he's currently advisor to the president. Uh, he, he, or yeah, I think he's still special saying? advisor to the president. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. President he's kind of moving, moving in the, uh, in the retirement direction, I believe, but uh, yeah, he was Joe's even, I believe, an interim guy. president. At interim one president. Point. He was yeah. head of advancement. And Joe's like that utility player on your team that uh-huh. is, like he can hit hit from any any position. He's just a and a great guy, the sweetest guy you'd ever meet. So I got to meet Joe at a one day conference that was put on very grassroots here, grassrootsy here, called Unite WNC, and it was people like Tracy Schmidt and Steve Newman. 
Uh, I met Kevin Frazier there for the first time, uh, probably similar counterpart to you over at Western Carolina. And he's been on our podcast, our Entrepreneur's Education con- uh, podcast episode. Um, and I, I had been working here for a couple of months. My boss, John Jones, like, hey, I'm going to this thing. You want to come with me? It's all about entrepreneurship in our area. Like, all right, cool. And tech and whatever. Um, and that was supposed to produce a, a nonprofit, had a lot of similar things to hatch, a lot of similar things to meet the geeks. I'm not really sure what came out of Unite WNC, but I mean, just it got all the right people in the room. And so I randomly sat down next to Joe, uh, Joe Kirkland, and started talking about what we're doing at Hatch. At that time, we were just spinning up pitch parties and trying to figure out what kind of programming we wanted to to do. And you know, fast forward five years, we have an operating agreement as Venture Asheville and Hatch to build the Hatch Innovation Hub, which is great and exciting anyway. Joe was decided to come to check out Hatch, the Hatch campus, right? The Hatch building. And he brought you along. And I remember you and I met in the, the kitchenette outside Antherware between Antherware, Lolo, and Plumprint. That's right. And you and I quickly discovered we have many mutual interests. Um, but uniquely, uh, the nexus of academic entrepreneurship and clinical or industry kind of entrepreneurship in practice in the real world, which don't get to cross very often. And one anecdote I'll share is when I started my master's in entrepreneurship, someone said to me, why would you spend that tuition learning how to do entrepreneurship? You're just supposed to put that money towards a business and learn as you go. Um, so there's certainly a, a, a bias against, and I see this all the time, a bias against uh, formal education in entrepreneurship. And you have people who are in the academic side who may not, may or may not have ever had a job, right? A real, I want to say real job, but you know, they would go through school and get their advanced degrees and then they teach a topic that they may or not have, you know, the sweat equity to use a term from our field. And, um, but you and I shared that interest and, and my background is in publishing in entrepreneurship education um, with a study that we're specifically going to talk about. So I was, I was pretty excited about um, your work and working with your MBA students. And I guess somehow I mentioned, I'm really interested in entrepreneurial competencies, right? The way yeah. that individuals can grow as entrepreneurs through experiential education. And do you remember um, if, I don't know if you found it or I shared it with you, mutual interest around an article that predated my research by Mike Morris. Yeah, I think you brought it up, uh, but it quickly became, I, I mean, I, I don't think I ever told you this. I I went back to my office and, and downloaded it, immediately read it, and then printed out those 13 competencies and put them on my on my whiteboard. Awesome. Looking at them and going like, all right, I'm going to think about myself. I'm going to think about my program, my students. And you know, as we'll get into more, uh, I think, in the conversation, it's so helpful to have a framework. Right? That's why we like self-assessments. We go like, where am I? I need a map <laughs> of where I'm at in the world. And um, it was just a really that centering map for me to look at and say, these 13, all right, um, these, are, these are competencies that need to be developed in myself and my students if we're going to uh, grow our ability to have success as, mm-hmm. as entrepreneurs. And as, um, again, you know, I would even include like the entrepreneurship side of that as well. So whether you're launching a new venture or, within your, or you are in, within a venture, uh, but really launching new initiatives, programs, uh, things of that nature. So if I can ask, if you don't mind putting on the spot, if you could, for our listeners, define what are entrepreneurial competencies, what, what is a competency-based approach to education, and and um, do you want to list all 13 at the end? It's I can list all 13. Yeah. You bet. <laughs> listen up, folks. Yeah, a competency. Yeah. A competency. Be, there will be a quiz later. So. 
Yeah, uh, competency is really a bundle of, of knowledge, skills, attitudes, and values and behaviors needed to perform activities or tasks. So it is certainly a, a practice. It is experiential, as Jeff's been saying. So you might think about dancing. This is one of my favorite mm-hmm. examples. If you read a book on ballroom dance, right, you might be able to do some steps in your living room or get some idea of the theory and things like that. But if you went out to a dance, uh, you would learn so much more quickly, right? And you'd be able to actually apply it. So that's not to say that theory isn't helpful. But as you mentioned, Jeff, uh, theory without the competency and knowing how to play the role. So it's more than just skills because we can teach mm-hmm. some skills at the micro level, but I really like to use the language of it's a bundle of skills, attitudes, values, even identity uh, that goes in there uh, to saying, yes, I am competent, right? So there's even a, even a confidence that comes in there. I'm a competent ballroom dancer. I'm confident enough to go to a dance and I know enough steps that I can, mm-hmm. I can uh, practice what I've learned and, um, and even grow while I'm doing it. Best thing is it takes practice. So if I read a book on ballroom dance and went to a competition, um, I, I, don't, I don't imagine I'd fare very well until you hear the music and try to move to it and move with other people, right? I think golf is the same way. Um, a friend bought me a book on a golf swing, which is comical, right? Because like, obviously you have to pick up a club and swing it to learn how to swing right but just tips and i don't need to understand physics per se you know to understand how to swing a golf club anyway i'm getting i digress other competencies that are not so physical in nature but more mental um one example we talk about is uh wiring a house or rewiring a house or creating sort of building your own computer at home right um or performing surgery you know you don't want a first year resident or intern to do your appendectomy, they have to watch it. And when they, you know, supervise their attendings and clinicians, they might, you know, throw a stitch or they might, you know, do a part of the procedure. And eventually they do more and more steps. They like a scaffolded approach, you know, the more work they go through, the more observation, the more small practice they have, they're going to develop their competency, which is what they told us when my son was born in July, they hoped he would come early in June. So that, cause in July you have all the new residents on the floor. So our son's born <laughs> right July seventh. Like, ooh, got some new students on your on your uh, on your case. Yeah, uh, no, they were great. All the students uh, at Mission Hospital are fantastic. Want to get that out there. Um, anyway, so let's talk a little bit about the research behind entrepreneurial competencies. But first, let me ask you: What are the thirteen competencies? And if you could explain um, why are they different than managerial competencies? Yeah, absolutely. So these these 13 companies, competencies come from some research that was done in 2013 uh, in a paper called A Competency-Based Perspective on Entrepreneurship Education, Conceptual and Empirical Insights by Morris, Webb, uh, Fu, and Singhal. And the 13 competencies that they identified through their study, and I'm going to read them off. Pay attention, folks. <laughs> Number one, opportunity recognition. Number two, opportunity assessment. Number three, risk mitigation. Four, conveying a compelling vision, five, focus and adaptation, six, tenacity and perseverance, seven, creativity and problem solving, eight, resource leveraging, nine, guerrilla skills and bootstrapping, 10, value innovation, 11, resilience, 12, self-efficacy, and 13, building and using networks. And so what is unique about these 13 versus those that we might teach in a typical undergraduate course of saying, here are the competencies Mm-hmm. You need scheduling, planning, organizing, things of that nature that we would typically put forward as managerial competencies. 
And again, you, you notice the difference. I said managerial competencies versus entrepreneurial. Well, those are different functions. There is overlap. Mm-hmm. As an entrepreneur, you need to be able to organize and plan and, and schedule and delegate and do the things that a manager does and more and more. So those managerial competencies are really helpful. But if you don't have the ability to recognize new opportunities and you're not able to assess whether it's a good opportunity or not, those are the first two of those mm-hmm. entrepreneurial competencies, you're not going to be able to move out of the managerial class or the managerial function into entrepreneurship. So an example, right, is we'll, you'll learn in business school or your master's program or undergrad, whatever, how to create a budget. And at some point, you can't graduate without putting pro formas together, right? At some point, you're doing that in a class or your business plan lab. You're, you're, you're creating pro formas. But we don't teach you uh, tenacity in business school. I mean, you could say like, wow, it was a really hard class. I learned a lot about myself and I grew. But really, you know, we talk about tenacity and, and resilience as um, – we used this in a podcast before as well. Uh, tenacity is how long you can ride the bull, and resilience is how quickly you get back on after you get knocked off, right? Your ability to spring back and how much punishment you can take. Um, we don't really teach that, and we do, and we do that through experiential activities. So to be in our mentorship programs, we use these competencies, um, not in mentorship per se, but to remain in good standing, you have to be completing things like doing public speaking, putting yourself out there, being a thought leader, going to trade shows or conferences, uh, seeking funding. We're having our founders do experiences that map back, map back to these competencies. In, in an ideal world, and I know that as an uh, academic, you, this is where you and I will go one day to find the answer to this, but can we prove right, that the higher competency score you have, the better venture you're leading? Or the better yeah, that, is. That's a really interesting question. Um, so, well, Jeff, let's talk about the, you know, rather than trying to answer that right here and now, let's go back into the research and talk about your experience because you were actually mm-hmm. part of this research paper. Uh, that's and right. You got to see really the, the effects of, of, um, of experiential learning versus just, just lecture learning. So we took the study from 2013, which identified the 13 competencies and Morris et al. also created uh, a self-assessment instrument, a test, self-test, self-reporting test, uh, with 100 and some odd items on those 13 competencies. And he took it to South Africa, where he was working with the University of Cape Town and international students, where students uh, gave him a pre and post-test. So they had an intervention over, I think, six weeks, and they, did it, they looked at their scores across those 13 competencies, beginning of the course at the end. Uh, their pedagogy, the way these students learn and what they, their, their, their t- instruction was, was they spent the first half of the day in classrooms learning things like, this is what guerrilla marketing is. Here's the four P's of marketing. Here's how you use them. And then the afternoon it was, all right, now you're working as a consultant for an entrepreneur in the townships of Cape Town. Right? This is some of the most economically disadvantaged areas in the world with such disparity. Right? If you don't help this founder, this entrepreneur with the four P's of marketing, their family may not eat this week. Right, so the students had to. I mean, the motivation behind them getting work done is is off the charts, right? Unbelievable. We use the same instrument at Florida with a class I was leading, which I took over a very traditional lecture hall gen ed style course. Right, we had hundreds of students uh, that had you know two lectures a week, and there was two essays and four exams. That was your grade. And if you go to a, a huge giant school like University of Florida, th- that's typical of your lower level courses. 
we gave our students the same pre and post assessment as a student who went to South Africa. And then we compared the results. And that was became a chapter in the annals of entrepreneurship, education, and pedagogy in 2014. Um, what we found was students in South Africa had tremendous growth across the competencies, as, as you would expect. And students in my class pretty much flatlined. We didn't have, <laughs> there wasn't much success to sing. Uh, as a great academic, Dr. Mike Morris, you know, used that to draw the conclusion that, uh, therefore, the hypothesis is proven, or more, maybe it's not proven, but the idea there that if you want to have an impact entrepreneurship in students, the education must be experiential. They must, it's, it's I guess, a constructivist uh, learning theory. You have to do things to learn, right? You have to, you learn by doing in entrepreneurship. Uh, not to say you can't do that in an academic setting as long as the academic setting matches experiential education, right? It's not just on a multiple choice test, tell me which of these is not one of the four pieces of marketing. That doesn't prove you know how to do marketing. Now you have to actually do it. Anyway, so that's how we, we so we used that study. Um, it was published, really proud and excited about that. And I convinced Mike Morris, I'm, I don't know if I've told you the story before, Paul, I convinced him to, to write a paper with me because I, I was racing my wife to see who would get published first in grad school. And she beat me by a number of months, uh, which really who won? Yeah, who won? She won. No, she she beat me. She got published first in veterinary dermatology, and then I was a few months behind her with this book chapter. Um, anyway, long story short, where we got to today is that's kind of where the research ended in 2014. Now I had access and rights to, um, with permission, to this instrument, and I asked uh, Josh Dorfman. And Hannah Sizemore, no, Hannah Marshall, when before I even worked here at Venture Asheville, hey, I've got this really cool assessment. It's pretty interesting. Here's the research behind it. Would you be interested in doing a one-year study with your founders and Elevate? And I, Paul, you and I were in agreement then, too, that we would share this data and see what happens. Can we give people in Elevate a, a, a focused, rigorous mentorship program, essentially sponsored by MIT? And can we prove that there's a growth in entrepreneurial competencies from Elevate? Um, and Paul and I, we, met, we came here and met with Hannah. She said, yeah, sure, sounds great. And we ran that study for a year. We had nine entrepreneurs complete the pre and post assessment and we were able to draw some anecdotal conclusions. Um, but it wasn't you know, up to really academic standards. It was certainly useful. What was good about it was it helped us transfer the assessment tool to something you and I could use. And then, Paul, you were using the tool simultaneously with your students. Can you share how you've been using it? Yeah, absolutely. So like I said, I, I printed out that list of the 13 competencies and I thought, wow, this is a great, great uh, tool for reflection because we, we know that uh, reflection is a really important aspect of, of learning for people to really, really ponder and, and, and uh, self-reflect. So I started having my entrepreneurship students take the assessment and then engage in a discussion forum online about what they learned and, and how they saw themselves based on taking this assessment. And from that, I, I started seeing some, some growth, right? That's the, that's the whole key here is people started having new aspects of their mind unlocked. They started recognizing strengths that they perhaps didn't fully recognize or they couldn't put word to. And, uh, and other people uh, came out of that course and said, I've decided I never want to be an entrepreneur. So <laughs> it, it kind of a bimodal, you know, kind of like seeing some people and it confirms something in them like, yes, this is for me. And other uh -huh. people 
I'm like, great. I learned a few things about myself, but uh, this is this is not for me. And those are typically the folks who are going through and they're they're used to risk aversion. They're maybe in accounting or auditing and not mm-hmm. that you can't be creative in those spaces, but there tends to be a, more of a propensity towards risk aversion rather than as we see in these entrepreneurial companies, there has to be an aspect of being able to take sure. risks, but also mitigate risks. It's not that entrepreneurs are risky people in general, what they do is is recognize uh, cost benefit, right? Mm-hmm. And are able to to have have a, a conversation with themselves about about that risk mitigation. So I should probably share some of the assessment items on this on this tool, some of the questions you ask. As a self-report assessment, I think all but a handful are rated from strongly disagree to strongly agree, like a five point Likert scale. Um, you know, we ask you a question and you click the box and go to the next question. And some of them are questions like, um, I often ask questions that challenge the status quo, right? And that, that kind of maps back to one of the specific competencies or, um, some of my recently favorite questions are, I have accomplished a goal that took over a year to complete. Another one that that I'm sharing a lot especially now given the work we're doing with Hatch Innovation Hub is strongly agree or strongly disagree. Um, I only achieve, I only, what is it? I only set goals that I cannot accomplish without the help of others. So I understand it's phrased negatively, right? But it's asking, it's asking about like, the, the uh, ambition of a founder, right? Are you setting goals that rely solely on yourself? Or are you setting goals that are bigger than you that re- require resources and people and support and organizations outside of your control? which is incredibly, on, I mean, that is the definition of being entrepreneur, right? The pursuit of value without, without regard for resources controlled. That's the Harvard definition. Uh, and so you rate all those and you get your scores. Um, you've been using it with students for self-reflection. We've been looking at it with Elevate, trying to determine, can we predict or can we uh, understand the success of an entrepreneur based on their scores? Or we can, another way to use it, and I know other groups are, and I know some coaches do, do this, they give the tool or the assessment to uh, a mentee, someone they're working with, to identify their weaknesses or gaps, and that guides uh, how they work with that person through coaching through the next year, and you can retest it and see how your scores are changing. Um, one of my dreams is that investment groups start using it and looking at, you know, based on founders who exit or founders who succeed or are highest performing ventures, you know, are there common traits about them that make them more successful? I'd love to see a research study go in that direction. Um, are there any other ways that we picture people to use the tool? Let's see. So we, we discussed the take it and, and reflect, and then there's also the take it and create a program around it, like you're doing with the Elevate, trying to understand are there uh, strengths that we need to go with with this cohort of, of new entrepreneurs, or are there weaknesses that we need to discuss to mitigate them? You've talked about engaging your Elevate entrepreneurs around self-efficacy, making sure that they have mental strength and mental health. And mm-hmm. then the final way would be a pre-test, post-test methodology where you would, similar to the original study, give two different groups a pre-test and then have some kind of intervention or experience in a mm-hmm. post-test to see was there a difference uh, that happened from one group to the other in terms of the the difference in means of that, of that group of people. It, that's a good point. I should have brought that up. So in our recent Elevate cohort, we gave this test to 20 founders and Elevate again is our mentorship program. And we found that our highest scoring uh, competency is opportunity recognition, which I think is probably going to be typical of most of our 
most programs who use this, because you know these are early stage founders who are onto a big idea and very passionate and fired up about it. But our lowest performing competency was self-efficacy, which is defined as uh, the way you affect others and others affect you. Maybe we'll call this EQ one day, right? Um, Self-awareness. But it's also clearly linked to mental health and the mental health crisis affecting our nation. Uh, and another group in the middle of our state in the triad ran this assessment with their cohort of, found, cohort of founders. And while they had a different strongest competency, the weakest one was also self-efficacy. Part of what we do as resource providers or coaches or mentors, investors, is we, we push we push our founders so hard. We push entrepreneurs so much. We expect them to be grinding and hustling and working long hours because, hey, that's just part of the job, right? If you don't want to do that, get a nine to five. You know, you expect it to give up weekends and nights and things with your kids because, hey, you're, you're building something for the future. And the more we do that, you know, it actively works against self-awareness and efficacy and mindfulness and presence. To that end, you know, we realize a gap in our programming, um, some harm actually we're, we're doing. And we, can, we know this because of the assessment tool. So in, this, in late spring and May, we're going to have a mental health summit for founders. And it's definitely for folks locally. We'll see as it comes together what travel looks like, maybe something more statewide or regionally. Um, but I, I would love to see Ash, the Asheville region become this hub of mental health resources for founders. That like, let this be the place where you have strong founders with strong ventures, you know, and they're strong in financially, strong mentally, strong physically, because there's so many great outdoor opportunities to exercise, right? Um, that's where we're going with it. Paul, we got all the way here and didn't once talk about the e13.com. How do we do that? Well, let's talk about Move that. Right past it. Let's, let's get into that. Um, you and I have desired to make this tool free and open um, for a handful of reasons. One, for access to get more data, to do publishing and research. Um, two, to help other people understand and learn these things. Um, and three, because you and I just find it so interesting. It's all we talk about. So uh, tell folks, what is the e13.com? What will they find there? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I think just going back to the core of what we believe, I think it's a, it's a foundational worldview, Jeff, is that entrepreneurs can be made, right? It's not that you are born and you're stuck. And uh, I'm sorry, you didn't get that gene, the e-gene or whatever it is. Right, absolutely, yeah. There's, there's always growth. We know that the brain, uh, the brain can change in so many miraculous, wonderful ways through education, through experience. And so that's why we have created this website, ve13.com, where you can take the assessment. We also post some of the research. We're going to have some other helps on that site. So if you are an entrepreneur or part of an ecosystem, uh, an academic doing research in this area, it's a great tool for you to be able to go out there and use this assessment, the number of ways that we've already explained. If you'd like to use it with self, self-reflection to assess your current, your current cohorts or people you're working with to see if there are, are areas that they can be shored up and supported better, or if you'd like to use it for the research on the, on the pre-test, post-test. Those are all ways you can use the E13. And as you mentioned, Jeff, our intent, our desire is to make this, um, it, is, it will be free forever, and it's for the development of entrepreneurship. So you log in, create an account, it takes all two seconds. Just basically give your email and create a password. Yep. Um, it's not going to say anything on your profile. It's just you have to create an account to, so we can email you your results. So you create your account. It takes, on average, 10 to 20 minutes to take the 100-some-odd questions. Um, if you're in North Carolina, and we ask you what ecosystem you're a part of, and we, we share those results with those providers if they ask for them. 
Um, and you will immediately, as soon as you finish the, the assessment, you get your results. You get your score out of you know zero, one to five on each of the 13 competencies and a definition of what each of those competencies mean. And every time I do this, it begs the question, so what? Now what? I'm a three out of five for risk mitigation. How do I, be, how do I become a five? So Paul, what's next in that space? Yeah, absolutely. Well, so with what you get right now, you at least get some awareness based on the, the 13 different competencies and the definition. So you could say opportunity recognition. Okay, I'm I'm weak in that area or I'm strong in that area. What can I do with it? So there, there's growth awareness there. But in terms of our plans, uh, as we're able to gather some of this research and get some, some ideas of, of trends and areas that need help, we're going to build some some training and partner with others uh, to make sure that people can can find scientifically validated ways to grow in the, in the different areas. I also hope that we find uh, some different different typologies of entrepreneurs and that we're able to also talk about not just the individual entrepreneur, but founding teams. So what does mm-hmm. it look like if you do some research around founding teams? So Jeff, we've talked about this a little bit. And I don't think we've ever lined it up, our, our strengths in, in these different areas, but what I gather <laughs> from talking with you, I think we have very complementary strengths after both of us taking the E13, like, like you love networking. You're so great mm-hmm. at it. And that's probably a, a weak spot for me. So, um, you know, we're able to leverage each other's strengths uh, and, and go further together. Paul, can I confess something to you? Yes, you can. I've, I've never taken the test. I've never taken it. I feel like I've been too, <laughs> I know. Here's why. Here's why. Being as a grad student, I felt too close to it. Right. All right. And then I've been this evangelist of it for the last gosh, going eight years now, right? Seven years promoting uh, the competency assessment tool. Um, I think I would need some real uh, space to be really objective and honest with myself because we say that the tool is only as accurate as you are honest, right? So we'll we'll have to give you some truth serum, Jeff. Yeah, I know. I mean, there's obvious ways to gain the system. It shouldn't be about getting a high score because it's not going to help anybody to do that. It's not going to help yourself shooting for a high score. You got to be really honest with yourself. Um, and a quote you and I heard yesterday in a meeting, which I thought was phenomenal from these partners is the idea that early stage ventures are just a reflection of the founder or founders. And, and we hope that this tool, um, will help founders and resource providers and and programs and co-founders, um, understand how to execute well and, and perform, um, with, with higher competency, um, and last thing I want to say is when, when we get back to what, what the training is, we, we hope to build modules and, and, and resources for folks to say, I got a three out of five on risk mitigation. How do I become a five? It's not going to be, you know, read this book, watch this TED talk, and you're going to be at a five. There might, might be a little bit of that, but you have to do stuff. And so the, the, the complementary pieces that go along with the scores are going to be focused on what can you do as an individual or what can you do as a, as a, in our situation, as a resource provider um, to benefit yourself or those you serve. Yeah. Practices and habits, right? We need need to build practices and habits. That's what grows us. You don't go to the gym, read a book and come out looking buff. You've got to lift the weights. That's right. Um, And I also, also want to mention that the E13, I think was your genius branding. Because we were going back and forth on what we're going to call this thing, this 13 entrepreneurial competencies. I, I have a master's degree in entrepreneurship, and I can't spell the word. So you came, coming up with the e13.com was just perfect. Uh, so I'm glad you did that. And if, if anybody listening wants to take an assessment, do it right now. 
www.the13.com. There's a big blue button that says take the test now. Get started right there. That's right, Jeff. I'm looking forward to hearing about your results. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You got <laughs> it. You know, I know. I know that you've got a strength in building using networks, so I'm excited. I to think see. That's, that's yeah. And I, I mean, just <laughs> to share my praise and admiration for you, Paul. You've done so much work, and you've dived, dove, dived so deep into each of our competencies, and you're building a body of research around each one, and you're pulling out these unbelievable um, nuggets of information that validate each competency. And speaking of networks, I know I'm going to get it wrong, so jump in and stop me. But one of the studies you cited created a measurement tool or a model that was able to prove the larger an entrepreneur's network was, or I'm sorry, they could predict the survivability of a startup by the size of the founder's network. It's like a social burn rate. Yeah, it's a exactly, social burn exactly. rate. That's what I was going to say. Right? You got it. Totally got it. That's yeah. what it is. It's a social burn rate. Like you've got, you've got friends and supporters, and we tend to think of of resources as as car, uh, as cash, right? But as we look at entrepreneurial resources, no resource leveraging and guerrilla skills, mm-hmm. right? And networking, so key. Yeah, it's fantastic. And when we do the Growth X Accelerator MXP, they they coach you on your first sales are going to be your inner network, your inner circle, or you need referrals. Don't try to cold call people. Go to everybody in your inner circle. Tell them what you're working on. Ask for an introduction. Um, yeah, that's awesome. So, Paul. I, you're a wonderful partner. I'm so glad we met serendipitously and that we both ended up in this part of the state and get to work together. You're a phenomenal partner. Thanks so much. Likewise, uh, Jeff. Jay Walker. Juliana, did I see you yeah. on, on screen starting to take the test? Did I catch <laughs> yeah, that? I looked it up. So yeah, yeah. I What'd am not score? an entrepreneur. I have no plans to become an entrepreneur. But not you know yet. what? I love not a yet test. You don't, but you never know. I love That's Myers great. Briggs, INFJ. You know? Yeah, okay. Yes, so, and. Yes, know, and. <laughs> yes, and. <laughs> yes, and. Life is improv. Yeah. Juliana, I'll share. I believe there's an entrepreneur in everyone. Oh, yeah. You know, if you're it, leveraging resources to create value, you are acting entrepreneurially. Whether you're leading a startup or a lifestyle business, opening up a dry cleaner shop, or you work with me, you know, the requests to work together get weirder and weirder every year. So <laughs> you, you have to be a little entrepreneurial to work here. Um, yeah. There's an entrepreneur in each of us. And and I always go back to the story with Paul, if you've heard this one, I'm not sure if you have. It's, it's, it's a material I don't always bring out. But I go back to the show, Jane the Virgin. And there's a scene where Zoe, Jane's mom, is meeting Gloria Estefan, right? This is a Cuban family in Miami. If you're a Cuban or anyone in Miami, like you love Gloria Estefan. And so Zoe is hoping to become get a career as a professional singer. And at dinner, Gloria says to her, so... I hear you're a singer. And Zoe, frozen, says, well, I sing. And I think that's exactly like entrepreneurship. Like, at what point do you call yourself an entrepreneur? Like, I, I, I don't like calling myself a serial entrepreneur, but I've, I've been getting that title. Um, the New York Times called me, the air quotes, a serial entrepreneur. And I don't, I don't want to call myself an entrepreneur. I like, what do you do? Like this is the joke with my wife at dinner parties. I'm like, what do you do? Oh, I'm a veterinarian. She's a veterinarian. What do you do? And she's like, what, what do I tell people? What, what, what do you want me to say about your job title? Oh, I'm working at the chamber. I'm a, I'm a chamber employee. That's it, right? But like, I believe there is an entrepreneur in everybody if you're acting entrepreneurial. And it is a journey. You have to do the work to become one. And then you are. There's no, there's no title. There's no, there's no sash or finish line or ribbon you get. No one gives you a, 
a badge. It says, you did it. You're entrepreneuring. It's a journey. Juliana, help me out. We got to wrap this thing up. I got to go pick up my kid. How are we going to end this podcast? Well, thank you, Paul, for being here. It's been great to sit here and listen to you guys nerd out about your <laughs> your oh, yeah. team. But I mean, I've learned a lot. So yeah, thank you so much for for joining us and talking some ship. Uh, it's been great. Yeah. Thank you for having it's, me on. Yeah. And again, of course. Uh, go- Go to theear13.com and uh, nerd out with with uh, with Jeff and Paul. Yeah. And, and I know, Paul, I can extend this invitation to you as well. If you take, in, take the assessment and you want to talk about your results and you want to talk to somebody, reach out to either one of us. This is We love doing this kind of thing. Happy to do it. All right, That's Juliana, right. play us out. Playing us out right now. All right, everyone. We'll see you in the next episode of Talking Shift.